Welcome back, everybody. It's CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition brought to you by Campus 2 Canton. Follow them on the Twitter at Campus, the number 2 Canton. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend. He makes it all happen at CFP Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge. And back in the booth with us, Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. Native Texan, loves Texas. Uh, the stars at night are deep and bright, deep in the heart, are uh, big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. With Xavier in Austin, we're both Texans, but Texas is so enormous that we're still like three hours away from each other. So, uh, Xavier, how does the move go? Are you in? You're settled? You're comfortable? Everyone being a nice neighbor, welcome you to Texas? Yeah, so far can't complain. Uh, I beat the heat of the summer, so I, I've got no reason to complain on this side. Um, you really yeah. did like the day that you moved here it got cooler so yeah. i really like that so thank you so much for bringing <laughs> that <up. laughs> so yeah man loving it and you know hopefully fall in love with austin um haven't met an annoying texas fan just yet so well fingers crossed yes you have i'm right here so uh, <laughs> uh don't worry about that nick how's it going how was uh how did week three treat you uh, you know, like like we discussed last week, we expected a little bit of a step back, and and that was the case to a to a certain degree. Uh, could have been worse, certainly, but uh, had had some bad reads, had some projections that were definitely off. But uh, feel good about this week's slate. Feel good about the first three plus weeks of the season uh, so far. Glad to have Xavier back, of course, and. What a what a awesome slate of games that we've got this week to talk. Oh about. man, this this week looks so good. Uh, real quick, last week the bubble burst in terms of Colorado covering, uh, but I don't. The, the schedule now looks real tough. Do we? Your your thoughts? Your quick thoughts on Colorado and any other games uh, from week three? We'll start with you on that one, Xavier. Yeah, I mean. We all knew what the problem with Colorado was going to be. Um, it's in the trenches. It's their ability. That and their depth is going to be what ruins this team's highest hopes, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean that it can't be competitive. Um, I think last week was trap week for everybody. Like, that was what I came away with. I think everybody maybe was looking a, a week ahead outside of, like, Georgia, um, who – I mean, this week we don't play anybody. We play UAB again. Uh, so, like, I think outside of Georgia, everybody was looking ahead to, you know, this week, which is, you know, uh, huge games, huge ramifications throughout different different conferences. Um, yeah, I just – I think Colorado is going to be a fun team to watch. Um, not having Travis Hunter for the next couple of weeks is going to suck. Um, I think that might be the biggest hole a team could possibly have in the country uh, with him playing both ways. Uh, but that offense is going to have to make up for it. Um, and we're going to see this week if they can against an Oregon team that me and Nick talked about last year. I mean, they were playing before the FC game last year. If they were playing some of, if not the best ball in the country. Um, I think a lot of people fell off the bandwagon early with that, you know, that drubbing by Georgia. But this Oregon team is no team to be to to um, to scoff at whatsoever. And I think Colorado is going to see that firsthand. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on uh, the the rest of week three, particularly Colorado? Well, it was one of those weeks where, you know, there was a lot of discussion leading up to it. Oh, there's no great games. But as we know, that's typically when some weird things happen. Um, And Colorado was the, you know, 22 and a half 
point favorite. Uh, there had been so much talk up to the week that the most ridiculous controversy uh leading into that game uh jay norvell's comments i just i don't, I don't care yes that's, that's I such mean, a silly is, thing to it, it was about. just so <laughs> it, it is funny to get mad but it's also dumb of it's jay also a, it's, it's like yes very unforced error doesn't what do you, why why say it yeah, doesn't accomplish just ignore anything. It. yeah just just be classy and quiet about it don't right. you know and then yeah. Dion, oh i messed around and made it personal and then he gives out the sunglasses to everybody like yeah. i like that stuff because it makes those games more interesting uh but i mean the game was great and that's what we really want so good game uh, Colorado didn't cover. I picked them, but whatever. The game was awesome. Was game. Our projection was on Colorado State, so I felt okay about it. But uh, we'll, uh, am, am very disappointed that Travis Hunter is not going to be out there. Um, I mean, to lose an elite starter basically on both sides of the ball uh, it is a, a cheap big shot, deal. too. I know yeah, that guy's absolutely. gotten enough grief about it, but that's a yeah, cheap shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, really uh, was good to see the response from Hunter and from uh Deion sanders Deion. Uh, about that and and you know that that's definitely good to see moving beyond it um but uh, otherwise i mean there there were some great games uh we were on mizzou to win outright i didn't have a lot of confidence in that but was able to uh that that worked for us we ended up on the positive side on wrong teams favored we've got quite a few uh, this week, but also, you know, there were, there were some, uh, major upsets, of course. I mean, looking back on it probably should have, uh, given Florida a little more respect, Tennessee going into there as a, you know, more than a touchdown favorite. Um, uh, but also, you know, some, some real struggles from missing teams State. that we expected more. Yeah. That, that one, that was a projection that we were just totally wrong on. LSU came out and just dominated. From I don't think many people saw that whistle. happening. Everything I saw was Mississippi State, Mississippi State, Mississippi State. So, uh, I will say Chris Moxley is is uh, one of our just premier uh, folks at, at Campus to Canton. Has has been uh, just a really sharp for for a long time. He was on LSU from the jump. Uh, so have to have to definitely give him uh, credit there and and what he what he said on the tailgate or our Saturday morning show. Um, Cause I, I was sort of scrambling at the last second because you and I talked about Nebraska as being um, one that our numbers really looked good on being all three of our models agreeing as a double digit favorite, which is really rare. Uh, but by the time we talked about it Saturday morning um, that had moved from 10 and a half to 12 and a half. And so I was like, well, can't really, give that one anymore so all right, just we'll nebraska do. that much right right <laughs> yeah so we'll throw on mississippi state and we'll throw ulm which of course both went horribly wrong but uh but mox immediately was just like nope <laughs> i'm on lsu uh have been from the very beginning and he was right i mean that that was a a great call by him and a very bad read uh by me and you know projection obviously uh wasn't great but um alabama struggling that is certainly uh, something worth monitoring. Uh, Washington continuing to look like one of the best teams in the country. Um, Michael Penix hit his over in like the second quarter for yards. Oh, he's I mean, it was off so to an incredible fast. start. And, and the wide receiver group there is just, I mean, 
off the charts. Killing it. I'm ready uh, to say it, guys. I'm ready to say it. I, I, I tweeted some people about it over the weekend. Best receiving court in the country. I'm sorry. There, they from a pure just. I don't know if it's also just from a connection basis with Phoenix, but the catches that they make or that they were making in that game just were just other like like it's one thing to watch Ohio State's guys just be wide open all the time and you know make the occasional spectacular catch, but it was like Phoenix just has so much trust in them that they could be they could they're all like 60 40 balls. Like it just didn't matter. There were guys in the position to make plays on the defensive side of the ball until they rose up. And it was just like, oh, another catch, another catch, another catch. <laughs> and then, obviously, you know, uh, McMillan obviously adds in the punt return aspect of it too. So just, I mean, that that receiving core, I'm sorry. I, I, I've been waiting to put that out there because I've been, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want the Ohio State fans to eat me alive just yet. But Fair dude, yeah, they're, they're going to Rodgers. So, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're so good. Uh, you mentioned Ohio State. We finally got to see them yeah. put together a, a complete game. Uh, and then a couple of teams, you know, as you mentioned, Xavier, maybe looking ahead or maybe just sort of a little bit of a hangover effect. Texas took a little while to get going uh, against Wyoming last week. They really did. I mean, it was they did win 31 to three after the big run from Wyoming. But I mean, Texas has been gashed for some big plays. So, yeah, I mean, it was. It was close. I mean, it was tied in the fourth quarter, right? Uh, but uh, and then Florida State just sort of let Boston College hang around and and made things interesting. So, oh, so uh, there there were some that were certainly too close for comfort for for some teams. There were some where you know, like a, a Kansas State loses outright in in a game that that few expected. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one of those weeks where we shouldn't be surprised that there's a, a you know maybe less uh, exciting uh, schedule on paper, but typically that plays out uh, just like every week at college football with a lot of great games, and, and we right. definitely uh, were treated to that last week, and, and I have to expect based on all the matchups we got this week, we're going to have even more. All right, well, let's get into it because this week, like you guys mentioned, offers us a bunch of great games. We'll start with a really good one. Florida State on the road against Clemson. The line is Florida State by two and a half. The total here is 55 and a half. Uh, Florida State, the first two weeks, looked like an unbeatable team. Then they barely scraped by Boston College. Clemson is a tough test. I'm assuming that they were looking ahead a little bit and I expect them to win this game, but how do you feel about this one, Nick? Well, so this one, this is a little bit of a surprise and and our numbers have been uh, pretty high on Clemson. Obviously they had the uh, very disappointing start to the season, the road loss against Duke. Um, they didn't look great early uh, the following week against Charleston Southern ended up pulling away, uh, last week against FAU, you know, certainly, uh, benefited maybe from some injuries on the FAU side, but, um, Clemson looked improved. They, they do look like they've gotten a little bit better, um, each week since that opening, uh, game. And then Florida state, you know, started off completely opposite looked amazing in that second half against LSU pulled away one of the most impressive wins of the season so far this year for any team. Uh, but last week 
on the road, you know, it's a long trip to Boston College. There was some weather to deal with, um, but a little bit of a wake-up call, perhaps. Our numbers actually do have Clemson favored. Now, I'm I'm not super confident in that, but it is another road game for Florida State. Two weeks straight on the road. Usually that's a little bit of a trouble spot. Um, Clemson being still one of the teams to beat in the ACC. Um, I'm not saying that their week one loss was a fluke, but I do think that they are a better team than they showed then. I do think that, you know, from a talent standpoint, um, they are not going to be completely outclassed by Florida State. In fact, you know, in our roster strength ratings, Clemson is a top five roster. Um, They are number two in defensive roster strength. Uh, both of those numbers come in ahead of Florida State. Uh, but I, I do think that this Florida State team is a playoff contender. I do think that they have uh, few, if any, real um, weak spots on the roster. Uh, you know, Jordan Travis is does a lot of great things at the quarterback position. I, I do think at this point, I would take him over Kate Klubnick at, at Clemson. Uh, I know Travis was a little bit banged up, but um, seemed like he was able to come back, play well, and and you know was practicing and everything. Uh, there's been you know some injury issues on the offensive line for Florida State. That's not necessarily a great thing. Um, I haven't heard yet if Robert Scott or Maurice Smith are going to be back this week against Clemson. Both of them missed last week's game against uh, Boston College. There have also been some injuries on defense. Akeem Dent, a starter in the secondary, missed last week as well. Um, but Clemson is, you know, they're they're not uh, immune to that sort of thing. They were without Andrew Makuba uh, last week, also a, a starting safety. Um, and, you know, they've, they've had some injuries at, at wide receiver. Cole Turner's out for the year. Um, so those, those are starting to pile up, I guess, a, a little bit for everybody. But um, this, to me, being at Clemson, it, it's a fairly even matchup to me. I have been more impressed with Florida State so far this year, um, but I will admit that, you know, last week against Boston College, they probably lost a little bit of the goodwill that they built up with that LSU win. I do think that Florida State at its at its best, if it plays its best football, this is definitely a game that that they can win, even on the road in a tough environment. Um, but even as as bad as Clemson looked uh, the first six quarters of the season, I think this is still a winnable game for them as well. So um, I am not confident enough to to you know fully back our wrong team favored projection um, and call for an outright win for Clemson. But this would not shock me at all um, if Clemson finds a way to, to win this game. Yeah. I mean, I think Xavier, like, like uh, Nick alluded to, I I think the game last week just really kind of opened up our eyes to say, okay, what is Florida state at their worst? We, I think we've seen them at their best already. What are they at their worst? They're a team that can almost lose to Boston College, who looks not great this season. So, uh, you know, can Clemson win this game at home? 100%, of course. This is not a big line uh, for them to cover. But how do you feel about this game? Are you on the Florida State side because, you know, they avoided that bump in the road and maybe they were looking ahead to this matchup? Or 
do you think, hey, Clemson's at home. They're still good. We saw a little bit of weakness from Florida State last week. They have some injuries like uh, Nick alluded to. Where are you uh, Where are you on this game? I think Florida State is still in – how do I put this? I feel like Florida State is still in we haven't done it yet. Um, okay. I think a large portion of what, what watching them last week felt like a team that has not – you know, has not won in a long time at the highest level um, and hasn't always been the hunted. Um, and that's what I think was some of what we saw last week was was a team that just downright thought that they could come in, have the number have a top three ranking. I believe it was or a top four ranking, walk into Boston College and walk out of there with a win um, and, and didn't have to put their best foot forward for four quarters. And I've said this before this year, you know, I've gotten a lot of stick for it on Twitter. I, I said, you know, Florida State's played six dominant quarters going into this Boston college game. Like I, you, everybody can remember the dominant second half they had to get had against LSU, but they could have easily been down by three scores or more in that game going into halftime. Um, and I think that in some respects they show inconsistencies that, you know, sh- you know, show them as a team that has not done it yet. Um, you know, the, the team is still, you know, you know, riddled with guys who are from the transfer portal or, you know, haven't been able to put it all together for 12 games to win an ACC title or even get to the college football playoff. And I think a lot of that shows when you do go on the road, uh, because obviously you're, you know, the fan base, uh, you know, we all know Florida state has an amazing fan base. Isn't necessarily behind you in those situations. Uh, so th- this game is going to be very interesting for me because the, the biggest question for me is what happens if Clemson does start hot? Um, and if they do capitalize early, I think Clemson's defense is still good enough to, you know, really hold down the fort. Um, in a lot of respects, they've got one of the better secondaries in the country, in my opinion, it's young, but extremely talented. Um, they've got a linebacker room that's extremely talented, but Jeremiah Trotter and Barrett Carter. So I, I think defensively they can give Florida state a ton of headaches from an athlete, um, point of view. Can Clemson be consistent on the offensive side of the ball if it becomes a game where Florida State just has it going? Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if they can. That's why I'm going to pick Florida State in this matchup. I think that Florida State offensively just has a little bit more in the pot. You know, has, has a little bit more, uh, whether that be Johnny Wilson, whether that be Keon Coleman, whether that be Jordan Travis and, and co. Uh, you know, and I think they have just a little bit more there where I'm, I'm worried that in a game that becomes maybe a two-score affair in favor of Florida State, does Clemson have the horses to run to, to get them back in that ball game and where, where it's not just we're going to give the ball to Will Shipley 30 times and hope he can break one or two? That's something that concerns me a little bit. Um, that concerned me in the earlier part of this year, which was, you know, can they actually put together an offense uh, that can compete at the highest level? Um, something we saw problems with and we thought it maybe was a DJU situation and even under Klubnik so far we've seen it as a problem so I'm gonna pick Florida State here I think their offense is just better and if I if I'm having to pick you know I think Clemson's defense is still better than Florida State's but I just feel like Florida State's offense will break through more times than not um, and that Clemson offense just really worries me against against teams that can match with them athletically um, and Florida State can even on the, uh, on the outsides and up the middle um, especially with guys like Jerry Verse um, and co are on the edges are going to give Klubnik a hard time in the pocket. It's going to be probably a, a heavy dose of, of Will Shipley. And I'm not just, I'm not sure that that's going to be able to win them this ball game. All right, let's go to Colorado on the road against Oregon. 
Oregon is a 21 point favorite. The total is 70 and a half. And I think I would pick the over in this game <laughs> as well. Uh, Nick, when you look at this game, obviously the, the Colorado covering uh, burst last week when they didn't against Colorado state and it's going to overtime to win this game. They are a little banged up their best defensive player. And they're probably their second best player on offense. And Travis Hunter is down here as well. Um, I don't know, man. I've seen a lot of Oregon is going to drum this team uh, into the ground. This is where I think a lot of people want to see Dion fail. So I understand that. I don't know if they're going to beat him by 20 by 21. That's a huge spread to cover. But I do think Oregon wins this one going away. How do you feel about it? Well, our, our projection is very much in line with uh, the, the odds makers. Uh, we couldn't get to 70 and a half, but. Um, our final score projection is 42-21. So do have Oregon uh, winning. Our, our projection is just a little uh, shy of, of 21 in our team strength model. Uh, our prism model, our, our stats only model, actually has Oregon uh, covering, has it closer to 24, um, which was a, a little bit of a surprise. But, um, you know, have to, have to definitely give Colorado credit. They have built a talented roster the the talent edge model has this closer to two touchdowns than three um and certainly on the offensive side of the ball colorado has played really really well they are struggling to run the football but um does sound like alton mccaskill the transfer from houston uh who is a you know freshman all-american two years ago missed last season sounds like we will hopefully get to see him for the first time this year first time in two years i suppose um uh, that I think could help a little bit, but Colorado has had some uh, injury issues on the offensive line. Ben Wells, their starting center, didn't play last week. Um, they still have, you know, been a, a pretty solid unit graded out so far as a top 20 unit in our offensive line performance ratings, even though I think the eye test probably um, would argue with, with that a little bit. So uh, we'll see how that, you know, shakes out, but um, they're a team that's, been a you know very very productive through the air have been incredibly impressed with Shadur Sanders uh, what he has done uh, the connection with uh, Xavier Weaver is is off the charts um, you know Jimmy Horn Tavares Dawson have, have uh, pitched in as well so I do think that they will you know they'll miss Hunter but um, they've got some depth at wide receiver especially one of the deepest positions for this Colorado team. So I, I do think that they will um, be productive through the air. Uh, Oregon, however, has been really more of a complete team because Colorado has struggled defensively. They're 102nd right now in defensive team performance. They're in the triple digits, both against the pass and the run. Um, so they've struggled a little bit running the football. They're 107th in offensive rushing team performance. They're 102nd in overall defensive team performance, 103rd against the pass, 108th against the run. But the passing game of Shador Sanders has really you know, carried them to this point. At Oregon, they are a much more balanced offense. They are top 10 in overall team performance on the offensive side of the ball. They're eighth overall, eighth passing, and number two rushing. Uh, Bucky Irving is off to an incredible start this year. Um, they have played a much weaker schedule to date than Colorado has. I, th I think we can say, you know, with the FCS opponent, Portland State, um, they did 
you know, were tested uh, against Texas Tech, uh, struggled a little bit early against Texas Tech, but last week against Hawaii, I mean, you know, that game was over uh, from the opening kickoff. So um, this will be more of a test, especially on the offensive side of the ball for Oregon. So far, they've done pretty well against the pass. They're top 20 in defensive team performance against the pass, um, but they're only 62nd in overall defensive team performance, 79th against the run. So, you know, even though it is not necessarily a weakness that Colorado, it appears right now, is built to exploit, this Oregon defense has been susceptible at, at you know some points. But um, I just think that that this Oregon offense is going to be too much for that Colorado defense, a Colorado defense that will be without its best player, um, and you know a, a unit that sort of struggled on the whole. To begin with, Bo Nix playing very well. Bucky Irving, like I said, uh, off to a great start. Troy Franklin has has gotten off to a great start. Um, and, you know, Oregon's offensive line has is, is, uh, uh, graded out, you know, decent, decently well as uh, as well. Top 50 nationally so far in, in that O-line team performance. Um, so I... I uh, hesitate to say that Oregon's going to just blow out Colorado because so far Colorado has sort of risen to to every test and and yeah last week was closer than most everybody expected but uh, they faced some adversity in that game and and found a way to win which to me was was quite impressive um, I wouldn't be shocked if Oregon uh, is just you know a, a better built team from from top to bottom and and that depth as Xavier mentioned uh, a little bit earlier um catches up with Colorado that lack of depth catches up with Colorado a little bit uh starting this week but also you know so far uh I, I think that that Colorado kind of has earned the benefit of the doubt so I'm I'm not going to personally uh just say oh yeah they're going to get blown out um but you know, our, our numbers are still a good bit lower on the buffs than uh, the pollsters. They're still in the 60s in our power rankings. Uh, that defense really is something that that they're going to need to clean up, and I'm, I'm not sure that this is the week to do it. Um, so Oregon winning this game by, you know, two touchdowns or more. We couldn't quite get to the 21, but uh, this being a, a relatively comfortable Oregon win makes sense to me. But you know, I'm I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna write off Colorado uh, just yet. It it also wouldn't surprise me if this is a one score game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Xavier. I mean, what do you think here? You, you kind of talked about Florida State living in the transfer portal. That is Colorado as well. Sure. Um, th- do you think that they got enough to keep pace with Oregon here? Absolutely not. I, I think now before I go, I, I think Colorado covers in this game. Uh, but I think Oregon is just downright a better ball club. I think they're deeper. Um, you watched them on tape this year. Offensively, they look faster again. Like, Oregon looks fast, and it's not just the green uniforms. Like, they look like they've got that old-fashioned Oregon speed where it's just like you give them the football, whether it be Troy Franklin or, you know, or, or you know anybody else in that receiving core, and they go, and they're gone. And so, you know, I think Bo Nix looks a little bit more comfortable um, in the pocket than ever. 
Um, you know, he's not running like a chicken with his head cut off anymore. He's standing back there and able to throw the deep ball like he always could, but obviously we just didn't get to see it as much at Auburn um, in their latter years. You know, uh, I just think that this team looks faster on tape on both sides of the ball. Uh, they might not be as big in some respects, uh, which could obviously hurt them later on in the year, uh, but they 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 got they have the speed on lock. And I think that's going to be something where I think Colorado has been able to benefit from. Even in their matchup against TCU, I feel like they were able to outflank TCU uh, athletically. Um, and it really did a number. I don't think TCU expected them to be that fast. Um, and I don't expect a lot of people in the country that didn't think that they were going to be that fast. But I think that's what, what's been able to be like their biggest difference in a lot of these matchups so far. And I don't think that's going to be able to be the case against Oregon. I think they're not going to just run by Oregon. There's a lot of four, four guys, a lot of four, three guys on that Oregon on that Oregon team that I think can run with the guys, the speedsters of Colorado. Um, now, when it comes to obviously, you know, what happened in Lubbock, it's Lubbock, dude. They've got something. It's in the water. You know, well, teams go down there, and or and, and we talked about a Tyler Shuck, you know, revenge tour, revenge game, possibly in. He almost he was about this close away from getting it, uh, but I, I really think Oregon, you know, maybe you know has has learned their lessons from that ball game in particular, and is playing some of their best football right now. Um, on top of this, I think the, the losing Travis Hunter is bigger than what people fully realize. You lose your best cover corner, you lose your best receiver. Uh, this is this is a kid who I think you should have recognized it from last week. If they don't, yeah, I, for sure. And I think you know it, not only that, but you lose the only person, um, or one of the only people on this roster that had had a full year with Shador. Um, and I think you know obviously he's out. He has a you know clear connection with Xavier Weaver, but the connection is not the same. It's just not. You know, it, it's it's the equivalent. You know, my NFL fans will know it's the equivalent of when DeAndre when Kyler Murray lost DeAndre Hopkins. The offense can still tick, but it doesn't tick the same without him having his number one guy. Um, and I think that they're going to struggle without him being in the offense. Um, and obviously, you know, and to be honest with you if, you, if you've been following Travis for any long time, probably think, as most people do, he's more of an NFL corner than he is an NFL receiver. Uh, that's just how good that kid is. So, yeah, they're, he's going to be a huge miss. And I think we'll, we'll see the full grasp of that this week. Um, yeah, give me Oregon by two scores, maybe 17 at most. Uh, but I think three scores, which is what they're alluding to, is a little too rich for my blood. Um, is it? I believe it's an Austin, correct? Yeah, it's an Oregon. So yeah, I'm, even with the home field advantage, I'm not ready to go on that much of a limb. Um, it'll be the it'll be the second true road test for them, um, which is going to be interesting for sure. But give me Oregon here. I think they, you know, they they kind of show the tier difference in the tier ones in the Pac-12 versus the tier twos. Let's stay in the Pac-12. I've said that a lot in these preview shows, right? Uh, UCLA on the road against Utah. Utah is a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. 51-and-a-half is the total in this game. Uh, it's a lot to ask for a true freshman QB uh, to go to Utah and pull off a win here, Nick. But can UCLA do it? Uh, I, th I think they can, and, and our projections call for it. Uh, say that UCLA should be favored in this game. Um, you bring up a great point, two great points, true freshman and, you know, true freshman on the road in Utah. Very, very tough place to win. Um, but this Utah team so far this year uh, hasn't, hasn't looked great, in, in my opinion. Um, our team performance numbers, you know, they're 40th overall in team performance. Uh, they have struggled on the offensive side of the ball, 66th in offensive 
uh, team performance so far this year, 85th passing, 68th rushing. None of that is is too big of a surprise because, of course, we have not seen Cameron Rising yet. We have not seen Brent Keithy yet. Uh, the wide receiver core has really been banged up. Devon Vele and Micah Pittman were out last week. Uh, Jaquan Jackson even, you know, was was banged up in week one and has been limited. Um, they're without Micah Bernard, their you know other uh, you know, kind of co-starter at running back. Um, he is going to be out for the season. So this Utah team is just offensively, you know, they've been able to do enough. Um, they got the win, of course, at Florida or against Florida at home, I should say, um, survived Baylor, didn't look spectacular against a tough Weber State team last week. Um, and, you know, I know UCLA hasn't had a, a marquee uh, victory just yet or, or you know, has, hasn't been super dominant. Um, but uh, wins over Coastal Carolina at San Diego State. Um, neither game really was uh, in question for the most part. Uh, and then last week against North Carolina Central, who's, you know, ranked very similarly uh, to Weber State in, you know, the FCS level. Um, they took care of business uh, big time. So uh, I, I think that this UCLA team is, you know, certainly healthier, has been playing at a higher level, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but UCLA right now is number four in overall team performance. They're top 10 in every offensive team performance category. They're actually playing really solid defense as well. So, you know, Utah has been a top 20 defense so far this season. UCLA has been a top 10 defense and coupled with a top 10 offense. That's, you know, uh, off to a, a really, really strong start. Utah, maybe we will get back uh, Cameron Rising. It sounds like he's practicing this week closer than ever to playing haven't personally seen a, a as positive in, of an update of Brent Keithy or you know the receivers I, I would say it right now maybe they probably uh, should expect them to be questionable uh, Utah has been banged up on the defensive side of the ball as well I just I don't know I I haven't seen Utah put it all together yet even that Florida win which was impressive um you know they they we're not the the Utah team that you know, most people are expecting to be back in the mix for the Pac-12 title game. And this UCLA team, as young as they are, um, and with a true freshman quarterback, Dante Moore, I just think that this team is playing better, has more upside, is healthier. Um, so it's it's never a foregone conclusion that a team is going to be able to go into Salt Lake City and, and pick up a win. But um, I certainly think it's possible for this UCLA team, and, and I'm not – I'm not shocked that our projection has UCLA favored. Um, I believe this one opened at like six and a half. It's currently four and a half. So it sounds like, you know, there's some uh, sharp and smart folks on, on the UCLA side. Um, but yeah, this, this one seems like a, a very winnable game for UCLA. Xavier, do you see it that way? Do you think UCLA comes out of Salt Lake city with a dub? Man, it's it's so tough to go in there and win a game. I mean, just ask USC last year; they were rolling. I um, mean, they put you know forty one up, and it wasn't enough, right? I I just don't, you know. I'll be honest with you. UCLA, to all of Nick's credit, is absolutely playing some of its best football right now. But there's something about a young kid going into Salt Lake City just that worries me. Um, and the way that that Utah defense has been playing, the way that that Utah defense, 
you know, took, and I understand before somebody kills me, took Graham Mertz and made him, you know, made Florida fans almost wish that they weren't playing him. Like, I was in some of those spaces after that game. People were done with Graham Mertz after week one. Um, that's how bad the, the Utah defense made him look. The guy who just went and beat Tennessee this previous week, right? That's how good that Utah defense is, and that's how much they even go up a level on, you know, at home. And I think it's going to be really tough for me to just, you know, just decide that they're able to, you know, that, that UCLA is ready for this kind of a matchup. And I think on the flip side for Utah, they've played some tough teams. Maybe Florida's a better team than what we originally thought. That win might look even better um, if they continue to play the way that they did last week, right? <laughs> At this juncture, I think Utah is a team I'm going to have to lean on and just say, look, they're at home. That defense may – that defense – and the defense of special teams unit may outscore the offense, but that's all they need. (laughs) That that just is something that Utah has been able to hang their hat on over the last couple couple years, Um, something they've been able to hang their hat on for a while now. Uh, They've just had an offense to go with it. I just think that they're just biding their time, and it's it's one heck of a way to be able to bide your time and to possibly going four and zero to start the year off. But I, I don't see why it changes this week. Why they can't be a, a UCLA team that, while they're playing really well, has really, in my opinion, not necessarily not necessarily played the has not necessarily played the competition that um, Utah has at the highest level. Um, and then you know I'm kind of concerned about what it's going to be like for, for Dante Moore to walk into that stadium for the first time and have to go in there and win a ball game. Um, I mean, this is a guy who even last week against NC Central looked good, like 8 of 12, a buck 82, two touchdowns. Cool numbers, right? Wish they would have played him a little bit more. I think he needs more reps, uh, needed more reps in that game in particular. But I also understand not getting him hurt. But he's going to walk into Salt Lake City, and this is just not an atmosphere he's been in yet. And that can literally, you know, that, that can that can kill a kid for like two quarters. And that's all it needs to for Utah to be up by, you know, 10 points and just hold on for dear life, similarly to they did in the Florida game. Now, you mentioned maybe that win looks better for them, maybe a win that doesn't look so uh, good for Texas was Alabama because they <laughs> looked tough against South Florida. They switched quarterbacks and they went right back to Jalen Milrow for this game where they are hosting Ole Miss. And the spread is Alabama by seven. 55 and a half is the total in this game. Nick, I mean, I'm not crazy confident that Ole Miss goes in and wins, but I'll say that I've never been more confident that a road team comes in here and wins <laughs> in the last like three seasons uh, than from what I've seen from Alabama this year. Now we know the talents on the field, it, you know, Jalen Milrow could explode at any point here and figure it out, but against Ole Miss, is asking a lot, especially after he just got benched and is now starting again. So uh, I don't know. Uh, it looks like a tall task for Alabama this week. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I, I just this is not a, a unique perspective, um, but I'm still so surprised by how Alabama's handled this quarterback situation. Um, Jalen Milrow looked really, really good in week one, looked shaky in week two against a tough Texas team, uh, and then doesn't play at all. <laughs> Last week against South Florida is then named the starter, uh, you know, day or two later. So uh, it is really, really strange. It's like they were treating South Florida like a preseason NFL game or something, and 
it just, you know, that's not how Alabama operates. I don't think that's a lot of weather in that game too, but yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, but uh, you know, and, and they wanted to, I guess, get an extended look at, at uh, Tyler Buckner at Ty Simpson, uh, but it's just really weird, uncharacteristic for uh, Nick Saban and, and just, just uh, another sort of, you know, we talked a little bit in the preseason, how this Alabama team, there are some questions and certainly Alabama deserved the benefit of the doubt. They have the talent. They still do as, as rough as they looked last week. Uh, and, and, you know, as, as uh, bad at times as they looked at, against Texas at home, remember, um, this Alabama team still could get it right and and go back and and win the national championship. I mean, there's has there there's been one I think undefeated Alabama national champion under Nick Saban. Uh, everybody else suffered a loss at some point, so maybe they got that out of the way. Maybe they're working things out right now, and and they'll be able to just get better and better each week and win it all. I, I think that that's definitely still within the realm of possibility. But this Alabama team feels different. We talked in our preseason uh, previews about how they look different on paper, um, how there were some concerns or, or just, you know, they were doing some somewhat uncharacteristic things like bringing in G5 transfers that they're expecting to start on defense. Um, and, you know, some of those uh, questions we had so far, they, they haven't really answered and you know the the defense did i think play well last week obviously they held uh usf to uh just three points the pass rush looked pretty good brown uh, byron brown the, the usf quarterback was under a lot of pressure um but you know alabama offensively really really struggled uh in, in the quarterback situation until we see you know what Jalen milro looks like now after having been benched not played and and uh, now going into to face uh, another very tough Ole Miss team, you know I'm I'm still a little bit skeptical. So uh, our numbers we also discussed in the preseason we are higher than just about anybody on Ole Miss. So do keep that in mind when I say uh, that we have this projected as Alabama favored by one, uh, which seems you know I'm I'm perhaps uh, reminded too much of last week against Mississippi state. We had kind of a similar projection on Mississippi state and LSU where it's like, man, you know, the numbers, the, how they stack up looks like it's pretty close to a, a coin flip. And obviously it wasn't. So um, I do think that there's certainly a, a you know real possibility that this Alabama team wakes up and, and we've seen uh, them put their best game together uh, against Ole Miss um, this week. But also, you know, this Ole Miss team, the the roster numbers uh, are the way we calculate it. <laughs> we think that Ole Miss, you know, as far as roster strength goes, is is number six in the country, top five offense in terms of talent. Now they have been dealing with a lot of injuries. Trey Harris, who scored four touchdowns a couple of weeks ago, uh, missed last week. Caden Prescorn, the incoming transfer, uh, all AAC tight end. Um, we haven't seen him yet due to injury. Sounds like he is practicing this week. Hopefully he'll be back last week. We did see Quinshawn Judkins, even though he was considered doubtful heading into that game. Um, not sure that he's a hundred percent. 
So, you know, Ole Miss offensively, they've been playing really well, top 15 in, in uh, offensive team performance. I think Jackson Dart has played a lot better than uh, most expected. Um, defensively, you know, not spectacular, but but solid, top 35 in team performance. Uh, so I do think that this Ole Miss team is, is capable of playing Alabama really, really close. I think they're capable of going in there and pulling off an upset. Um, but... Uh, you know, me personally, it's hard for me to let go of Alabama as being a team that, you know, this is a game that they should win, should take care of business. They're the better team, more talented team. Uh, they haven't looked at so far. So, you know, we'll see if, if uh, Ole Miss is able to take advantage and, and you know, play up to the level of, of what our projections think they are as top 10 team, number two right now in our SEC power rankings. Um, or if we see an Alabama you know, bounce back performance a little closer to the Alabama teams that uh, we got used to seeing over the last five, 10 plus years. Um, that seems uncertain right now, certainly, but um, I don't know. I personally don't have a great read on it, but our, our numbers think that Ole Miss is going to uh, keep this one very, very close. And it looks like a winnable, uh, winnable game for Ole Miss. Yeah, Xavier, I mean, I personally don't have a huge lean one way or the other. I feel like Ole Miss can absolutely go in and win, but we got to not forget that what was the win streak before Texas beat Alabama at home? It's like 23 games or 21 games or whatever it was at home that Alabama won. This is a home game for them. Nick said it. They have the talent advantage. So is this a game where we see Alabama bounce back and look like the team that we know they can be or – is this maybe maybe it's not the year for Alabama and they got to go back to the drawing board because the SEC, you know, the SEC doesn't slow down if you're not good. There's still going to be great teams here. Yeah, I, I feel like last week Alabama panicked. I feel like Nick Saban panicked. I feel like everybody in South Coast had panicked. Um, there was no reason to bench Jalen Milrow. I, I didn't understand it personally. You had, what, five months to see what Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson were, um, you know, over the spring. Except for, I mean, Buckner obviously transfers after spring. But, you know, you had the opportunity to see what Simpson was. You knew what he was. You knew, you know, to an extent what Tyler Buckner had been. Your, your OC was his former OC. Like, there was no reason at that point to say after a game in which, even though everything went the way it did, Alabama still had a chance to win at the end of that ball game, right? Like, you, you you look at the way that that game ended and you go, okay, Alabama played probably its worst game in the last half a decade and they were able to, you know, they were this close away from, from you know, the, that tide completely changing. Uh, no pun intended. So I, I think realistically you look at this game and Ole Miss, I think, has been impressive in some respects. But I still think they would have lost to Tulane if Michael Pratt was healthy. I'll be perfectly honest with you. They didn't impress me in that ball game. Uh, their defense hasn't been impressive yet this year to me uh, personally. Jackson Dart still hasn't necessarily calmed down my concerns for him as a passer. Um, now he's been able to show me that he can, you know, be a little bit more versatile as a runner. But if they wanted that, they would have just kept John Rice Plumley. Like, sorry, but the reason why they brought you in was because they thought that you were, you know, an, a good to to great passing quarterback. And you know, I think that you know even though last week he ran for 136 yards on 14 carries and two TDs, that's not something that I would expect, you know, Lane Kiffin wants to, wants to do with him going forward. 
Um, and they gave up a ton of yards. I mean, Haynes King looked good last week. And, I mean, Georgia Tech has, has looked pretty good offensively. Uh, but I'm sorry, but I don't remember too many Haynes King games where I walked away and was like 28-41, 3-0-7, two touchdowns, no INTs. Pretty good day at the office to lose by 25. Like, I, I, I think realistically Ole Miss's defense has to be better in this matchup. Uh, for them to win this game. I think, you know, maybe they were sleepwalking a little bit uh, defensively, knowing that they could beat Georgia Tech with purely their offense. But regardless, I think you look at what's going on um, with this roster with, with Alabama, still extremely talented. Um, and I think they just need to ride the ship. Like, look, don't panic. Jalen Milrow is the quarterback of the future for this team. You know, unless they bring in some four or five-star, you know, going into next year that blows – um, saving away. I think Milrow is just a guy you have to nurture a little bit. Um, this feels very, very reminiscent of, you know, like Jacob Coker kind of feels where it was like, oh, this Jacob Coker kid sucks. And then a year later, he's in the national championship. Like, <laughs> we all remember how that goes. Like, you know, I, I remember Bama fans losing their ass. They were like, we never want to see Coker at quarterback again. And it was like, <laughs> you know, and they're, you know, playing the national championship. I believe later that year, and it was like, you know, this Coker guy, we just, you know, real, never, never doubted for a second. So I just think they need to calm down a little bit um, and remember, you know, how good they can be. The offensive line is what has to improve the most for me. Um, even if Jalen Miro is, you know, as up and down as he has been this year, the offensive line at Bama has never looked this porous, this consistently. Um, and if they can get back to what they normally do at Bama as far as being able to control the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive side of the football, then they'll be perfectly fine. And that's going to be the winner of this game. Whoever can control the, the you know, the, the front four or the line of scrimmage. If Quinshawn Junkins goes for a buck 50 and two scores, Ole Miss will probably win this game unless Jackson Dart just is horrible uh, through the air. On the flip side of that, if Jalen Milrow is allowed to, you know, find seams, find rushing, running lanes, um, they're able to get the ball in and around, um, you know, and then, you know, allow the athletes to help him out in the screen game because you're so worried about his legs. Bama will, will walk away with this game easy. Uh, but that's going to be who wins this game. I'm going to lean on the Bama side until they prove me wrong. They pick up two losses this early in the year. You'll never see me pick Bama again this year. <laughs> uh, but I, I just – I'm not sold on Ole Miss's defense as of yet. Like I said, I will hold serve. I think if Michael Pratt was healthy, Tulane beats them with the way that Tulane was able to perform for three and a half – for three quarters with them um, in that game. I'm just not sold, and I'm not sold on Jackson Dart beating me as a passer. And that's the one thing Quinn Ewers was able to do that night was, you know, when Bama went to that eight box and man on the in, on the outside, Quinn Ewers made those throws. Can Jackson Dart make those throws is my question, and I don't believe he can just yet. Give me Bama. All right, let's go uh, back to the uh, Pac-12 where Oregon State is on the road against Washington State. Oregon State is a two and a half point favorite. 56 and a half is the total in this one, Nick. Uh, Pullman is a tough place to play. So Oregon State going on the road here is tough, but I do feel like they're the better team. But can they put it together and can the Beavs beat Washington State in Washington State? I I don't have a great feel for this. I mean, I a lot of these. I'm going to say that a lot. It's a tough week, though. There's like there's a lot of really close matchups with good teams here. It's more of a fun week than a bet week, but you know we want to bet every week. So, (laughs) Um, so this is one where our projection model. So so far, every every game that we've talked about, 
um, all but the Oregon Colorado game because our our Prism model had Oregon covering. Uh, all the others, all three of our models lined up, which that that is a sort of a theme this week. It it happened more often than not uh, when we ran the projections, which is kind of rare. Don't love to see a, a you know <laughs> uh, two three dozen uh, all three agree situations necessarily but um this is one where that's not the case where the numbers are on either side um our primary model has oregon winning this game and covering has our projection at four um the prism model is similar has has oregon state winning and, and covering uh favored by five the talent edge model which is adjusted for home field advantage um, has Oregon State still as a favorite, but only by one and a half points. So um, these teams are, uh, I think, you know, pretty even as far as uh, talent goes. Oregon State um, ranks higher in, in roster strength, uh, has had a few more, um, you know, high-profile transfers, at least one big one, DJ Uyunglele, who was a, a former five-star. Um, so his rating is is pretty high. Uh, Cam Ward has been very, very productive, Washington State's quarterback. Uh, so their individual player ratings, you know, come pretty close to, to evening out. Um, but uh, elsewhere, Oregon State's just a little, a little more proven. They had one of the best offensive lines in the country last year. Um, they have a better running game. Damian Martinez is is one of the better running backs in the Pac-12, certainly. Um, they've got all-conference talent and, and experience at the wide receiver positions, at tight end. Um, and their defense, even though you know it was really, really young coming into the year, it's playing like a top-five unit through three weeks. Now, this Oregon State team hasn't really been tested. Uh, last week, they were a little bit slow starting against San Diego State, but uh, they have posted three straight 100% postgame win expectancy numbers, um, and they are playing just very efficient football uh, on the field right now. They are number three in team performance overall. They are number seven in offensive team performance. They are number five in defensive team performance. So this Oregon State team um, is, is playing like a Pac-12 contender right now. Washington State similarly is is you know three and zero uh, has played a you know has, has played really really well to this point um, have played some tougher opponents you could argue uh, Colorado State we saw you know how well they played last week against Colorado Washington State blew them out in week one um, they beat Wisconsin uh, a team that's you know been a top twenty five team uh, went into Pullman. Did not come out with a win. So, you know, even though Washington State uh, category by category uh, doesn't quite stack up. I mean, they're 34th in overall team performance, 47th on offense, 41st on defense. Um, Passing offense has been a strength, but even it's outside of the top 25 in our team performance numbers. Uh, This Washington State team is, is, I think, still still capable uh, of, of winning this game. Um, they have dealt with more injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball and actually both lines of scrimmage. They had a lot of injuries in, in uh, uh, fall camp to start. Um, but uh, the you know they're they're still a, a 
pretty evenly matched team that I think is capable of uh, giving Oregon State its toughest test to date. I personally, you know, have been more impressed with Oregon State so far this year. I I think that as good as Kim Ward has played and Lincoln Victor right now is one of the most productive wide receivers in the country. Um, I think this Oregon State team is just uh, just a little more well-rounded, a little more solid, you know, at, at most position groups. Um, they they just are a, a really, really tough team to, to beat. And uh, if this game, you know, weren't <laughs> in Pullman, weren't in that, that one of the tougher places to play, um, I probably wouldn't be very confident, but this one, I don't know. I, I, I do feel like this, this one feels a little better to me. feels, you know, this one in UCLA, even though it's two teams going on the road, um, in two very tough environments. This one, I, I think we're on the right side here. I think this is a game that Oregon State is is going to be able to win um on the road i think they're just a i think they're just the better team quite frankly. you heard it here uh nick absolutely no respect for home field advantage <laughs> for the pac-12 that, that that's exactly how he said it you know no respect for uh pac-12 home field advantage no i mean i i think i'm with you i think i do like oregon state in this game but i just i don't know it feels weird betting against washington state in a winnable game at home I think that's the thing that I just can't get past in this game. Xavier, how do you feel about it? I'm not so sure it's a winnable game, though. Like, Oregon State's a really good ball club, guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. This is a team that I think last year, and I, we talked about this even two years ago, so I feel very, very, very happy about the way I'm going to say this. They've gotten to a point where now I believe that they've, they're have they firmly in that Tier 2 conversation on in, in the Pac-12 right now, and possibly a Tier 1 team, depending on how the year goes, but – I think DJU adds an element to that running game that, you know, the rest of the Pac-12 didn't want to see. The running game was already extremely good last year. Uh, and obviously he has an element of, as a run, as a running quarterback that you do, just don't have in most places throughout the country. Uh, on top of that, you know, he, he's, he looks more comfortable throwing the football than he has in years. Um, and I think that's just, you know, a lot has to do with the fact that they're moving him off of his spot allowing him to roll out a lot more. I mean, use that arm to just make, you know, make plays, you know, um, not just in the pocket, but outside the pocket. I think they are really, they've really drawn up a, a scheme for him that fits his style of quarterbacking um, there at Oregon State. And then defensively, I mean, look, Oregon State's one of the better defenses in the, in the Pac-12. And I think we'll see that again on, on Saturday. I love what Cam Ward has been able to do, uh, but still a little, he's still a little careless with the football sometimes. Um, that still worries me a little bit. Um, very boom kind of guy. Um, and where, you know, he necessarily hasn't had that issue this year, which I love for him. He honestly hasn't played anybody just yet. Wisconsin, I'm not, I don't mean to throw too much shade your way, but it's Fickle's first year. And in some respects, it looks like it. Um, I was worried about you guys for like two quarters this week against Georgia Southern. I was like, what's going on? Um, so I, I think Wisconsin is, Gonna get there eventually under Fickle, but they're just not there right now. Um, and so that win, you know, the Washington State beating them, you know, by nine points doesn't necessarily move the needle all that much for me, especially when you know their offensive line still was able to still gave up four sacks in that matchup. I, I think 
Oregon State's going to be able to get after the guy, uh, get after the quarterback. Oregon State has played a interesting schedule, in my opinion, so far. They've played like the complete opposite in, in certain matchups. Like they played, um, they started the year off with San Jose State, which is like offense heavy, and then they played San Diego State this past week, which is defense heavy. So, you know, I, I think you know they've seen they've seen the best, or, or you know, towards the best of what you can see on both sides of the ball at the G five level. I mean, they've handled that pretty well. Um, I thought they once again kind of similarly to. Uh, what I was saying about Wisconsin this past week, had to get their footing a little bit against the San Diego State team. But once again, a San Diego State team that's always going to have pretty stout defenses. Um, so give me Oregon State here. I think they win this ball game. I understand that it's a you know nobody likes going playing in Pullman, but I mean, to be honest with you, been to Washington a lot in my life. If you're gonna play, Pull- if you're gonna play against Washington State, you're gonna do it right now. Uh, the weather isn't horrible. Um, it's in it's in the you know low to mid sixties, um, which you know isn't horrible for Pullman, because uh, you know fast forward about a month and some change and you'll be playing like you know seen a lot of snow games there. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be playing in like fifteen degrees um, in early no in early November. So <laughs> give me give, give me a low sixties with, with with some overcast and possibly some rain, please and thank you. Uh, so I, I like Oregon State in this game. I've said this I said this during our. Um, a preview of the Pac-12. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be right there. Um, I think they control their own destiny this year, to be perfectly honest with you. I think there's only maybe there's only two teams with Utah's health, obviously, um, withstanding. There's only two teams, uh, possibly three now, with the way that Washington has looked to start the year off. They're just bona fide better than them in the Pac-12. And we know with college football, that can sometimes mean absolutely nothing. Uh, but I think Oregon State's the better team in this matchup and should handle business on the road, especially with the way that their offense works. They're off running the football travels no matter where you are and no matter what weather you're in. Uh, so I really like Oregon State in this game. All right, let's go to the Big Ten where Iowa is on the road against Penn State. The line here is Penn State by 14 and a half, the lowest total here by a lot here. 40 and a half in this game. Uh, we expect it to be uh, kind of a slugfest here. I was a little banged up, Nick. How do we see this game playing out? Yeah, Iowa um, needs pretty much all the help they can get on offense. And, and uh, right now, you know, one of their top running backs uh, is gone. Caleb Johnson, who's been the starter, he is already declared out. And then one of the best tight ends in the country, Luke Lachey. Uh, is going to be out for a while after suffering a, a, an injury last week. Um, I was also down in you know, one of its top backups at the running back position. So uh, the playmakers, uh, you know, uh, of which there aren't very many uh, at, at Iowa, that number is even lower now. Um, so it's going to be tough. You know, Iowa uh, is probably going to have to play – their, you know, usual brand of elite defense um, going to have to make life very difficult for a true sophomore quarterback, Drew Allar, um, which, you know, he's he's looked really good at times. He's looked not as good uh, at others so far. It would not at all shock me if he struggles uh, against this Iowa defense. Um, but you know, you can't win if you don't score. And Iowa right now is, is uh, still, you know, they, they did put up 40 last week against Western Michigan, but that Western Michigan team, as we've discussed is one of the worst probably in, in college football, Penn state 
even though they're not necessarily playing elite defense right now, uh, is a top 10 defensive uh, roster. Their, their roster strength, they rank number 10 uh, nationally. Um, they're still playing top 35 defense and, and you know, I think are capable of playing better in this game than, than they should have be good enough against year. Iowa. Yeah, you would. Uh, yeah, you would. You would think. Um, and I think they're going to be uh, a, a, you know, a real test to that Iowa defense as well. Drew Allar was a five star quarterback for a reason. Um, the running back duo that they've got, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, one of the best in the country. Uh, they've got talent at wide receiver, guys like Keandre Lambert-Smith and Harrison Wallace III, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, and Olu Fashanu. And, you know, they, they've got depth at a lot of positions. They've got talent uh, basically at, at every position. Uh, and that goes on both sides of the ball. So this Iowa team is going to be at a disadvantage at just about, you know, every every uh, level. Uh, maybe you could make an argument that that they're going to be. Uh, it's it's a push maybe on the defensive line and and in the secondary, but elsewhere, Penn State stacks up really really well. So it's just a tough spot. It's going to be in Happy Valley. It's a whiteout game at night. Um, the crowd is going to be crazy, and you know, I, I do expect that Iowa will keep things close early, but I think t- Penn State's talent ultimately is just just going to win out. So this is this is a game that uh, even though our projections couldn't quite get to 14 and a half, um, I do think that that Iowa's defense is going to be good enough to keep this game within two scores. Um, I, I just don't I just don't really uh, think Penn State's in much danger of, of suffering that home uh, upset. You know, Alabama seems much more vulnerable. Utah seems much more vulnerable. Um, Penn State, this is a game that, that they should win, and, and, you know, they'll certainly have to fight for it. But um, winning by more than a touchdown or, or even double digits uh, seems seems right. Yeah, Xavier, I mean, I, I feel the exact same way Nick does about this game. Like, I don't know if I'm laying 14 and a half, but the under seems pretty nice, uh, you know. And uh, Nick and I were talking off air before. I don't know if it's 40 and a half, but I know like the under, the 40s and under have been pretty, hitting the under pretty regularly uh, this season. So I don't really see a lot of scoring here. I know Iowa's going to try to play ball control and all that stuff because they are banged up keep it out of Penn state's hands. Don't wear that down that defense. I think that's where we end up. I think we end up with Penn state kind of walking away in this game, but maybe not uh, by this 14 and a half line. How do you see it playing out? Yeah. I I really think Iowa has figured it out quarterback finally, Um, but offensively, they're still not going to be able to compete in this matchup. And it's not just from, the fact of, you know, Drew Aller has had a really good start to his career there in Happy Valley. They just might be, and this is this is a conversation to have maybe week eight or nine, but they just may be one of the more balanced teams in the country. Obviously, we came into the year talking about their two-headed monster in the backfield, uh, but Aller has just looked really poised. Now, granted, I would love for everybody to go back and watch some of that West Virginia tape because I think – a lot of what West Virginia did in that matchup, I was going to try to uh, deploy as well. 
Um, they really just tried to make Allen uncomfortable with differing, you know, defensive looks. I think Iowa's got a little bit more capable to do it talent-wise than obviously West Virginia is. West Virginia kept that game pretty tight for about two and a half quarters. Um, and then obviously Penn State's talent kind of just, you know, decided to, to flex his muscles a little bit in the second half. But I think you're absolutely right. I think Iowa can keep that game. Just, just I think Iowa just keep it competitive. That's all you expect from Iowa in this ma- in this matchup with the injuries that they've suffered so far. I think you keep it competitive, and then you figure out, you know, in that third or fourth quarter, let's see what you can do, right? Let's let's see if if Drew Aller makes you know that crucial young mistake that that gives that opens the door for Iowa late in the third quarter, right? Let, that's all you're really attempting to do if you're Iowa here. Just let's see if we can keep it close enough. That if you make a mistake and we capitalize off of it, you know everybody in Happy Valley is, is, is sweating bullets in that fourth quarter, um, and that's really all all you're going to ask for from Iowa. I still think Penn State wins this game. I think Penn State. Co- I think Penn State get. I want to say Penn State covers because I just don't think Iowa's offense is going to be able to hold water, uh, or excuse me, Iowa's defense is going to be able to hold water long enough to keep that you know to to hold them. Uh, but I'm also extremely excited to see what Iowa looks like um, in their first real big matchup. They kind of stumbled out of the blocks against Western Michigan, found their footing in the second half there as well. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they're able to do um, in this game. I, I think Iowa is, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this about Iowa, Iowa's going to be a, a fun team to watch. Um, <laughs> uh, and after what they've been the last two seasons, I think watching them score over you know 20 points in a game or you know in the first few weeks was a breath of fresh air. Uh, but I still give me get, still give me Penn State here, and wouldn't be surprised if they covered. But if they don't cover, also um, the Iowa defense, that means they just absolutely did their job. Uh, Xavier, with the most uh, begrudging statement of Iowa, is going to be uh, fun to watch. There was hilarious. I, I look. I think uh, I think you're right. I think Penn State is very well balanced, and Drew Lar should probably just get better as the season rolls on yep. too. kind of clean up those mistakes and stuff. Uh, Penn State, a dangerous team. They got to avoid these traps. So Iowa is a tough team to play at home. Uh, Ohio State on the road against Notre Dame. The line here is Notre uh, Ohio State by three in South Bend. 54 and a half is the total. This is the game of the week. This is the one, Nick. Who are you picking? Um. So we've been high on... Ohio State uh, for, you know, since we updated our numbers to, to 2023, they've been pretty consistently our number one team in our power rankings. And and even in the early weeks when we weren't 100% sure about the quarterback situation, uh, when Cal McCord was struggling, when he was competing with Devin Brown, um, still, you know, we had Ohio State number one. Um, but we have also consistently been higher i think than most on notre dame and and notre dame has continued to play really really well um they are fourth in our power rankings they are sixth in our team performance numbers uh top five on offense with both a top five passing offense and rushing offense uh those numbers you know take into account FBS opponents only. They uh, take into account uh, garbage time when we can, you know, throw out garbage time when we can, uh, and are adjusted for strength of schedule. So uh, that's still, I mean, uh, for, for Notre Dame uh, against what has been a, a relatively weak schedule with the, the NC State game, uh, maybe the exception. But even then, you know, they had 
percent postgame win expectancy on the road in Raleigh. Um, that's four straight uh, for Notre Dame. They're still relatively healthy uh, on offense. Uh, it seems, you know, Mitchell Evans missed a uh, recent game with a concussion, but it sounds like he's going to be back at tight end. He was a starter for them, uh, but Holden stays has stepped in and, and become uh, one of the more productive receiving tight ends in the country through the first month of the season. Um, they, on defense, were a little bit more banged up, had uh, linebacker J.D. Bertrand out. Uh, sounds like he is back. They're also going to get Gabriel Rubio back. Um, who has missed uh, you know the last couple of games? Uh, he's a, a you know contributor on the defensive line. So Notre Dame is is getting healthier and, and you know has just been one of the best teams in the country so far on the field. Uh, Sam Hartman has been everything that I think anybody expected, maybe even a little bit more. I was a bit. Caught, you know, I was I was a little bit concerned because um, Sam Hartman has played a lot of football, played in that Wake Forest. Isn't offense. he thirty six? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, isn't he older than for real? Isn't he older than Trevor Lawrence? Sam Hartman. He could maybe. I mean, he's he was in the twenty eighteen class, um, which was Lawrence in that class. No, so Hartman is older by a <laughs> older by a year. Okay, so Lawrence was twenty nineteen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, he's, you know, coming into this year, he started 44 games. So now he's up to 48. This will be his 49th career start. That's crazy. Um, uh, but I was a little bit concerned that, uh, partly because the way we calculate things, we, we opened up no longer put a, a cap on our individual player rating. So you could go past 100 and Sam Hartman is up into the, you know, 105 106 in the preseason and i thought okay maybe it's just you know he's too experienced he's played too much he's just been playing in an offense at wake forest which is uh i don't want to i don't want to say gimmicky but it's like you know it's it's one of those offenses where they they team they seem to get a lot of production out of the quarterback position regardless of who it is there so I was a little concerned. Like, is Sam Hartman really one of the best quarterbacks, highest-rated quarterbacks in the country, or has he just been, you know, playing in a system where he's able to to really produce at a high level? Um, so I was concerned that we were overrating Notre Dame in part because Sam Hartman was rated so high. The way we calculate our individual play ratings, but so far Sam Hartman has played really, really well. Um, you know, has continued to to be productive at that position. So right now, Notre Dame has an edge at the quarterback position, I think you could say. And, you know, that, that is something when you're going up against Ohio state, but comic Accord had a really strong week last week um, has improved over the, the you know first three weeks of the season does have more high end talent to work with. Uh, even though Audrey Gestime is off to a great start at running back, even though Notre Dame has uh you know, some exciting newcomers in the wide receiver group, uh, including a couple of true freshmen, including a converted uh, running back. Chris Tyree had a, a long touchdown catch last week. Uh, Ohio State's just, you know, as talented as it gets, basically, um, at the offensive skill positions. Uh, running back, they're deep. Uh, you know, 
Trayvon Henderson uh, isn't quite, hasn't quite shown us, uh, you know, that, that high, high end potential of when he was a five-star guy coming out of high school and, and a freshman All-American, but they're deep at that position. Mayan Williams, Trip Trainum uh, has played really well. Marvin Harrison, Enrique Abuka, you know, Xavier was talking about Washington as uh, having maybe the best wide receiver group in the country. Um, I think we still have to say that Harrison and Nick Buka maybe are the top duo. Uh, but you know, they're, they're just incredibly talented. You know, the offensive line seems like maybe it's, it's coming together. Uh, they have graded out quite well so far this year and the defense is playing really, really well. Number three in defensive team performance, number one against the run, um, that's a big step up. You know, we haven't seen a top 10 Ohio State defense and defensive team performance since 2019. So they are playing like a, a national championship caliber team defensively. I think they will be a very, very tough test for Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame has not been as good defensively as they have been on offense. They are 26th in defensive team performance. Uh, they are top 10 against the pass, 33rd against the run. So still uh, certainly a, a tough opponent, the toughest probably, uh, well, definitely, that, that Ohio State has played so far this year. Um, but this Ohio State offense seems to be getting better and better each week. Last week put up 63 against a Western Kentucky team that we think is, is uh, has the potential to you know, be a 9-10 win team. Um, and Ohio State played really well on both sides of the ball. And I think they're capable of doing it again. Um, Notre Dame, you know, it is in South Bend, but we've seen some less than, uh, you know, overwhelming home field advantages at Notre Dame in recent years, where I know there's a campaign going on right now to, to keep red out of the stadium. Cause we have seen, <laughs> uh, you know, red Georgia a few years ago, uh, took over Notre Dame stadium. Uh, there's a, a concern maybe that Ohio State, who of course has one of the most rabid and biggest fan bases in the country, uh, they they have the potential to to do it as well. Um, but it's going to be you know should be a tough uh, environment for Ohio State. I think will be a very evenly matched game. Will be a very very good game. Is a game that Notre Dame is capable of winning. Our projection has it. Our our team strength projection. Uh, does have Ohio State favored, but by less than the three. The talent edge is less than the three. The prism model likes Ohio State more, has it uh, a little bit closer to six. But um, yeah, this like like what we said with you know Clemson at home, like what we said uh, with uh, some close calls projection wise for UCLA and Ole Miss, uh, Washington State. I think that this is a winnable game for Notre Dame. Uh, but again, I do think that Ohio State is is the better team, and they do seem to be uh, an improving team, and at least in our power rankings, the best team in the country uh, right now. Um, so it's just maybe too tall of a task for Notre Dame, but should be should be a great game, should be a, a you know excellent primetime matchup for what could be the you know most action packed. Uh, game of, of you know top 25 matchups that we'll see uh, if not all year you know certainly for a while and 
it, it should be a great one. But, you know, we have Notre Dame covering. I'm not 100% sure uh, I'm on board with that. I think Ohio State probably is going to have an opportunity to uh, flex its muscle a little bit and, and win this game by a touchdown or more, um, but should still be a great game. Xavier, your thoughts here, because like Nick said, so close. Uh, you know, I was on uh, betting pros earlier this week, and Thor said Notre Dame's going to win this game straight up. You seem to have a lot of strong opinions one way or the other. Do you have a strong lean, or is this kind of a, look, I want to watch this game before I'm betting on it or putting hopes on it here? Yeah, I'd love to be able to watch this game before making a bet, but I feel pretty strong that Notre Dame's going to win this game. Um, okay. I've been pretty adamant from the jump that I thought Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame was the biggest transfer move in the country. Uh, I'm not going to count Shador Sanders to Colorado just because I think Deion and Shador were a package deal. Deion, Shador, and Travis were all a package deal. Um, so once you got one, you got the rest. But I, I think Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame, like I said, was the biggest transfer move of the offseason, um, quote-unquote. And it's just genuinely because you get – what you pay for Sam Hartman is going to come in there and give you an element of security, give you an element of dynamicism because obviously we saw him run the football also at Wake Forest, which is something we haven't necessarily had to see him see, uh, see him do this year. Uh, we have obviously the, the, the element of, you know, of experience, right? Like Nick alluded to 90, 40, 49 starts. You know, the, the guy is at this, at this current juncture, if he were to enter the draft, I think he'd be, one of the oldest drafted quarterbacks in the last half a decade. I think it'd be like him, Stetson Bennett, and Brandon Whedon. Uh, like, he's up there, right? Uh, this is one of those guys who you know he's going what to, you, what you're going to get game in and game out, you know? And, and that's what was always the thing at Wake Forest. The only thing that plagued him was his defense, right? His defense just necessarily couldn't get the necessary stops that were, you know, important for them to win the biggest games. And he's gone to a place in Notre Dame that, can't compete on the defensive side of the ball. Has one of the best defensive coordinators now, head coaches in the country. Um, it's going to get that those guys right. I mean, this is a team that if they had Tyler Buckner, and we saw Tyler Buckner last week against USF. Tyler Buckner, well, well, if I'm not mistaken, they were up against Ohio State going into halftime, or it was a, at the very least like a four-point game going into halftime of last year's matchup with a much more cohesive offense, especially with uh, – you know, CJ Stroud at the quarterback position versus uh, this year with with you know with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown being your guys, right? I just I don't see how you know, and obviously I understand Ohio State's defense has made a significant jump from last year to this year, but I think Notre Dame's offense is just so much better with Sam Hartman at the helm uh, this year than Tyler Buckner that that gap that existed in last year's matchup where you just knew that Ohio state's offense was eventually going to create a gap that there, you know, that Notre Dame's offense couldn't match doesn't exist this year. On the flip side of that, I've seen this Ohio state team look really rough. And I, and I get it. It was, or it was week one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Indiana's not necessarily an easy place to go play at times, but we're talking about Indiana. Now we're talking about, you know, Notre Dame. So, yeah, uh, give me Notre Dame in this game. I think they get the outright upset here. I, I don't trust Ohio State's offense just yet with such youth at the quarterback position. And on the Notre Dame side, I trust Sam Hartman. Uh, and on top of that, even though I understand that Notre Dame's defense isn't as good as Ohio State's defense, I trust Marcus to come up with a 
scheme, especially playing a young quarterback, that's going to give him headaches. He gave C.J. Stroud in their first meeting last year. We all know how good of a quarterback C.J. Stroud was in college. He's going to give Devin Brown or Kyle McCord, whatever one you know, takes the majority of the snaps, he's going to give that guy headaches. And if he can just do enough to keep Notre Dame in and around this game, Sam Hartman's going to make the proper plays to, you know, put to, to, to keep them in this game. And in, and in some respects, like I think he could do win them this game. So give me Notre Dame in this one. Um, I think this is the first time we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see maybe Ohio State's offense not be the best offense on the field. Um, and it's all at Notre Dame as well. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the Irish. All right. I mean, that is, it. I love this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of, there's a lot of flag planning going on before this game and someone's going to come out looking silly. So I, I like, I'm not, look, no flags planted here. I'm going to bet props in this game is what I'm going to take <laughs> player props. And that is it uh, for me in this one. But uh, all right. So just uh, Nick, any other games that you look at personally and you're saying, I like the lean one way or the other in them or a total you like or anything else. Uh, well, so you mentioned totals. Our totals so far this year have been uh, kind of our strongest category. We're at 55%. I've had back-to-back pretty solid weeks. Um, I personally don't have uh, a great read still, uh, even though the numbers have, have gone uh, well so far. My I personally uh, don't have any great insight on totals. I don't think our wrong team favored projections have also been pretty good this year, even though we struggled a little bit last week. Uh, we're under 500 for the first time in our team strength projections. Uh, our wrong team favored still came out ahead, had had three outright winners out of the five. Um, so we mentioned UCLA as one. We mentioned Clemson as one. Um, USF we actually have as a favorite against Rice. Uh, and and these might not be the most updated numbers. When we release these on uh, Tuesday, uh, midday, sometimes they, they change a little and, and maybe a team's no longer uh, a wrong team favorite. But when we release at USF, uh, we have as an outright winner. They were a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, Colorado State was a slight underdog. That, was, that one surprised me a little bit uh, against Middle Tennessee, even though that is on the road. Uh, we have Colorado State favored in that one. We have App State. This one I don't necessarily agree with going into Wyoming. It's just one of those places, really, really tough to win. Um, so we have App State as an outright favorite uh, in our in our model. Uh, not a lot of confidence there, but uh, this one caught my eye because last week we had Missouri as uh, the the our favored team against Kansas State. I went against you. Made a mistake there. So, <laughs> I didn't week, think a sixty one yard field goal was going to work. Well, you know, I, I understand. Uh, <laughs> this week we have UCF going on the road as a favorite against K State. So. I think our numbers are are a little low. Ask you something. Why do you hate K State? (laughs) (laughs) Our numbers just don't love the way that the the roster numbers stack up. Um, That's UCF here. What's that? I said that's your Kentucky this year. I guess some years we love Kentucky. Some years we don't. Uh, But yeah, this year we're just against K State. So not a lot of confidence in that one. But K State, uh, Will Howard is banged up. UCF, of course, is 
already without their starting quarterback. We know for sure. Uh, John Rice Plumlee is not going to play. Um, but K-State also, Treshawn Ward, their top running back. They have kind of a duo there, but um, uh, he is questionable, doubtful. Uh, they lost arguably their best defensive player, starting linebacker to a season-ending injury. So K-State is not at full strength. And, and UCF, of course, is not either. But our numbers do like UCF, don't like K-State. So we'll see how that one shakes out. But that was that was a little bit of an eye race. We have UTEP as an outright favorite against UNLV. A bit of a surprise. UNLV, okay. big win last week against Vandy. UTEP hasn't looked very good this year. Um, and then New Mexico State at Hawaii. That one I feel better about. I, I think that, that this Hawaii team is, uh, they're struggling. And New Mexico State is, is um, you know, Hasn't been maybe as as good as we thought they could be in the early Nick week. Nick just wants but... an excuse to stay up till three a.m. to watch. Always Hawaii. do, yep. always do. <laughs> Fire up that. Uh, I don't even know the name of the app. Whatever app it is that they play on on the iPad, I can only get it on my iPad. It's, yeah, it's something like uh... the Sports Network. It like it's it's some, <laughs> it does not sound official at all. It sounds but, like you're buying hey, something off the black market, right? It works. It works. Love the local commercials. Um, but yeah, I think, I think New Mexico state is going to be able to go in there and, and win that game. We have the, we have New Mexico state is almost a touchdown favorite. Um, and when we released it earlier this week, Hawaii was a two and a half point favorite. Not sure what it is right this second, but, uh, but so, so those we've been running pretty well. Um, Hawaii's a three point favorite. So it's actually moved half a point against us. Uh, but, but that one, I, I do think I like, and, and some of these, you know, we'll see there, there are certainly at least so far this year, some things that our numbers see that, that either the odds makers or the market, um, hasn't always seen. And, and, you know, maybe we, maybe we come back a little bit. I usually only like when they're, you know, two or three of these a week and we're up to five or six. Um, but those, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Xavier, is there any game you look at this weekend and you're like, man, I think this team is going to dominate any of those, any lines you look at and you're like, I, got, I really don't understand this line. Yeah. I got a couple really quickly. Um, I think Mississippi state covers against South Carolina. Um, I understand they're coming off going of, back to the well. Yeah. State. They, 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 they got bludgeoned, but will Rogers and co I think bounce back. Um, I got BYU. I believe, yeah, I got BYU uh, covering against Kansas. Uh, impressive win last week. I think they continue that momentum um, against the Jayhawks in this one. Um, let's see. I think that was it for me. Uh, more stuck out to me. Yeah. Uh, that that this has got me in trouble the last couple of weeks. But <laughs> just when I look at it, and the numbers kind of line up, and I I'm buying in, and it's I'm starting to think about it more and more. Uh, we talked about Missouri. Big win last week. They're in a neutral field in St. Louis against Memphis this week. Our numbers uh, have this one a lot closer than the seven that the oddsmakers uh, did, at least officially. So um, I think I think that's a bit of a, a hangover spot for Mizzou, even though you know our numbers don't love Memphis on the whole. Um, but see that as a uh, much, much closer than the seven. It's it's uh, under two is our projection, oh. and all three models line up at at under five. So, yeah. And if you if you if you got a fun one for you, UTSA covers against Tennessee this week. Yeah, say it again. UTSA covers against Tennessee. 
They're wow. what, Tennessee's twenty. Tennessee's twenty and a half. Is Frank Harris playing? Don't know. Don't know. If he does, is he going to be anywhere close to one hundred percent? Screwed that up in CFF this week. Is is sixty percent of Frank Harris better than seventy five? Maybe Lee. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about that one, Xavier. Tennessee has not looked great so far. They <laughs> have. You will not. You will not find a bigger Joe Milton fan than me. And. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, we, well, we, we could, we could, you know, get look, off to a little Austin P. lost by 27. You're telling me UTSA can't cover 20 and a half? I'll bite your head off. I, I, all our, all our numbers are on UTSA to cover. And I, I put Frank Harris is not starting. So I, I'm um, just saying I don't want to touch it, is what I'm or, saying. Yeah. Tennessee no, looks bad too. So, yeah. Uh, but all right. Well, that will wrap it up yeah. for us this week. In week four, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back in week five. Good luck with all your bets, and we will see you guys later. Remember, follow us all on Twitter, at Campus2Canton for Campus to Canton, at CFP Winning Edge, at Xavier underscore Trist here, I-C-H-E, and at Fox Sports. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.